Mic check, one, two. Tom, use your word. Hey, you. That's original freedom. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's version of the Original Freedom Podcast. Uh, sitting here with Tom Spooner, I'm Nate Horgan. Scott is off on the West Coast this week. And uh, this week we're just going to kind of go through and talk about um, a little bit of a, a motivational uh, piece. Kind of going into, you know some of the the path that Tom has walked here and uh and, you know in his his military career and and as a career itself is something that is truly relatable to you know anyone that's w- within the military out of the military and kind of looking at um his path the things that he's done along the way and really what you know pushed him to get to those levels and um you know really not much you know, build up or set up to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, really it's something that like kind of overarching is like, you know, speaking for Tom, hopefully I can do it accurately enough, but starting out in infantry, but then also going on to paratrooper, going on to green beret, special forces, um, you know, going through ranger school and then also going up into, uh, uh, Delta force. So, um, and then as, as an operator and spending a lot of time there, you know, you've kind of put it, uh, simply just saying that like that all kind of started as just like kind of a kid with a dream or a passion that, you know, you wanted to go and be in the military, right? Absolutely, man. Yeah. Cause, uh, that was whenever it comes to dreams and passions, that kind of stuff in order to be like really successful at it you kind of have to be good at it too. Like my example for that is, is I loved football. (laughs) You know what I mean? I I loved it. It was passion, everything in my life. Skill set wise, I wasn't, you know what I mean? That's not something, I wasn't going to end up in the NFL, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Or at college playing or anything. So for me, it was uh, like you had mentioned, it was just a childhood dream and passion of uh, of being in the military. And then uh, the piece that I added to it, I mean, the influencers of that was uh, my grandfather uh, and that was a World War II vet. And then my uncle, who was a Vietnam vet, that was that was a piece of it. But then the rest of it was just kind of inside of me. Like, that's that's what I wanted to do and give it a shot. So I had this big dream. My initial big dream in the military was, uh, you know, joining the military and being a ranger. Period that's that's as that's as far as my dream went you know as far as a kid's dream attempted to go to college there for a little while because I was basically just fulfilling what my grandfather and uncle wanted me to do Mm -hmm. and uh it wasn't for me (laughs) so uh so I joined whenever I was 20 and um you know and again the big goals was to join the military and then uh you know and become a ranger yeah so the big thing about you know, the dreams is, is that, hey, you got an end goal or I have an end goal in mind, but sometimes, you know, the route that I'm choosing to get to them uh, doesn't always present itself as the same. <laughs> what I mean by that is I joined the military, you know, and uh, with the with the hopes of going to uh, Ranger Battalion and, uh, and through my 11 x-ray contract, which meant I was unassigned. To where I was going, uh, I ended up becoming Eleven Hotel, which Eleven Hotel is tow missile gunner, uh, and oh by the way, they don't need those at Ranger Battalion. <laughs> so, so I finished that basic training, uh, and immediately, you know, was derailed off of that that track in my mind of like, hey, I was going to go basic AIT, you know, 
jump school, and then I was going to go to ranger assessment selection. What was that initial, like, how did you handle that as far as, like, finding out that that's something that, like, right was, off the bat? I was not... pretty furious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, because, uh, you know, I didn't really understand all the different aspects of ele- what it meant to be 11 x-ray. At the time when I joined the military, it was, a. Uh, it was another reason it helped me get out of probation early. <laughs> so, and I knew it's what I wanted to do and I just needed to be gone like now. Uh-huh. So the recruiter got me good. And, um, so, uh, but yeah, whenever I found out, you know, finished basic, that plan in, in the vein of like executing my dream, you know I mean? I was one step after the other, finished basic. Then we got into AIT and they mentioned the tow missile gunner piece. And, um, and then they said, well, no, you can't go to, you know, Ranger Selection after that. And I'm like, I was furious, man. <laughs> I was like, what, what in the, you know, what am I going to do? The only thing that kind of kept me in line at that time was the Gulf War had just kicked off. You know what I mean? So that was kind of, other than just kind of school and, you know, peacetime military oriented. It was like, hey, there was a war there going on now. So it was like, okay. You know, so that obviously occupied and helped. I was still pretty furious about not going down that route, but then it was like, okay, hey, you're going to go to the 82nd and uh, and then go to the Gulf. So that kind of, again, many different paths to get to where I wanted to go. And um, so uh, went to the Gulf, came back from that, and then I was still on my plight to get to Rangers. You know, <laughs> I was like, man, I got to do it. And, uh, and it was awesome though, where I was, you know, and I've always been fortunate in the military of just having these incredible, uh, warriors around me. Like I had my platoon sergeant was a Vietnam vet, you know, it was in, in 90, 90, 91. So there was still a lot of Vietnam vets on active duty and we had several of them. So I was just super fortunate, but I went, I was still on this path of, you know, I'm going to being a ranger you know and uh so i couldn't go to ranger battalion so hey the next thing was ranger school so I bought my way into uh uh jumping the line per se as far as uh getting to ranger school so mo- in most places uh other than ranger regiment in order to go to ranger school and that be a spec four which usually meant you had to have two years in the army you know before you'd be promoted to specialist guys in ranger regiment can go as a pfc well i was a pfc and uh and so i went to pre-ranger got selected I'm like hey yep he's good to go ready to go to ranger school and then uh and then they <laughs> then they found out i was a specialist <laughs> but that was all part of my platoon sergeant's design uh he's like uh hey you don't worry about it you just go and do work show up you know graduate i'll take care of the rest and uh <laughs> So they were getting ready to lose a slot. They're like, division is going to lose its, you know, five slots that it gets a year for ranger school. Uh, or they had to promote me, which is all my platoon sergeant's plan, you know. And uh, so they had to promote me, so I went to ranger school. So I went to ranger school in uh, February of 92. And uh, I did the extended stay there. I did uh, a recycle. Um, so I ended up graduating like a may time frame mm. so it's a little bit of extended but at the time too i'd only had a year and a half in the army wow so so that was pretty pretty good i got recycled because i earned it by the way you know what i mean failed is that something that it, i'm i could be messing this yeah. up but is it something that it's like it's built in that like 
you're going to fail or something like that that I'd heard or no? No, man, it's super hard. It's it super like hard. I mean, yeah. a lot of a lot of guys uh, recycle. You know okay. what I mean? Because just because how hard it is, and uh, I mean, there's a good amount that make it straight through. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the percentages are, but I would say minimum fifty percent, if not more, have some sort of recycle during during that phase. Gotcha. Um, and it's so even going back to like, what was it about that? And obviously you're, you know, you're the researcher, you, you love digging into things like right. what, so I would assume that at that time going into it, you had known so much about what that meant to be a ranger right. going in. Right. I mean, yep. so what, I guess, what was it about that, that above all was like, I want to go do that. Yeah, so for me, it's always been, uh, I always love to be challenged. You know, I, uh, I uh, mainly on the, like we were talking about a 60% physical, 40% intellectual. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's uh, but I just always had this thing inside of me of, uh, hey, do I have what it takes to be a part of something that is coveted? You know what I mean? Something that's really, really hard to get. You know, I mean, that's, that was a, that was always, has always been a big driver for me, but specifically then it was like, um, I mean, there was some ego in there too. You know what I mean? You get your nice Ranger tab on that piece. So, you know what I mean? It's like now the whole world, cause in the military, you know, everything is on your uniform. So the more stuff you have on the uniform, the more people know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so having that, you know what I mean? As a specialist in the 82nd was huge street cred. You know, but internally it was all about the challenge, you know what I mean? And, and do I have what it takes to be there? Gotcha. And so what was that, what was the stretch then from there? I mean, now that like, I mean, you had even said it, you, you'd, you'd graduated from it a year yeah. and a half in, there's another, you know, 19 and a half years <laughs> to your career. Right. right. Well, I, and even for me, that was a surprise. I didn't know going into this, that that, that came that early. Like yeah. what, what was it after that? Cause you obviously went on to do a, a ton of other things and, uh, graduate from a bunch of other schools and selections yeah. and that kind of thing. So you had, you know, reached your childhood dream. Yep. And now what? I mean, yeah. <laughs> so I, so I did, you know I mean? I got that. And then the thing was, and I loved being in the military, you know, back to the childhood kind of passions of like, Hey, in order for it to become a reality, you have to have the skill set for it, you know? And, um, so I had the skill set for what was needed in the military, you know, as far as physicality, as far as intelligence, all of that aspect of it. So I realized immediately, you know, that this, this is a vein, you know I mean? This is a, a a job set, you know what I mean? That I can stay in Mm. and be very successful. And, uh, so once I got that Ranger tab, especially in the 82nd in 1992, again, as after the Gulf. So now is a big stretch of peacetime. Mm. Um, it was, uh, I'd knocked out the hardest school that you could go to, um, you know, in the 82nd there. So I'd already knocked that off. So the world just opened up for me. So I was this golden boy, you know, so I went to Pathfinder school, jump master school, air assault school, like every school, because I proved I could pass the hardest one, then the other ones just came to me like, Hey man, this guy's a go getter. You know what I mean? Let's give it to him. And so I ate it all up, you know, I spent five years there in the 82nd and, uh, again, working with just incredible, uh, warrior leadership you know, that I had there, but, and, and it was very fulfilling to me, you know what I mean? I was moving up in the ranks. I was, uh, going to all these different schools. Um, 
it was always just, hey, what's the next thing I can do? Because it's all about, hey, I've, if I'm going to be something, whatever that something is, you know, like in this case, hey, how can I be the best soldier in the 82nd that I could be? Well, it means you go to this school, that school, this school, that school, achieve this rank, go to these, you know what I mean? There's a whole list of things that if you want to max out that job position, uh, this is what you need to do. You know, so I just ran from one of those things to the next. And again, I was there five years, so I had a, a large amount of time just really learning what it meant to be a young leader, you know, what it meant to motivate, you know, folks, take care of folks, you know what I mean? So I learned all of that stuff at you know, in those, it took me five years, you know, and then at the end of that five years, like you said, it's kind of like, okay, I've maxed everything out here, given back also. So it wasn't like I knocked all that out in three years and then I left, you know, so yeah. I spent the five years there because I'm big on loyalty too, as far as giving back when, when possible. Mm -hmm. But then I got to the end of the run there and there was no, nothing else to tackle, you know, and, uh, I loved being there and stuff. And, uh, but it was just kind of, also I always, always talk about, I was an entrepreneur even in the military. It was like, okay, hey, what's the next challenge? Again, my childhood dream was this ranger piece, you know, and uh, and I'd already at least went to the school. I hadn't went to the battalion or anything, but I went to the school and it was like, okay, now what's the next hardest thing, for, you know, for me to do? And it was uh, special forces. But it was never a dream, you know what I mean? Again, my dream was just kind of to max this thing out. So it was like, okay, hey, that's that's the next step. You know what I mean? If I don't make it there, I'll probably get out or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't really have a big, huge plan. Mm -hmm. And um, But the last thing that I finished up with doing in the 82nd was uh, they had a, a best ranger mm -hmm. competition. And uh, I was survivor not a competitor. <laughs> I claim that 13th place honorably. You know, is, uh, <laughs> well, as I hear, that is a uh, pretty long-awaited oh. competition. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I mean, it was, it was, it, it was tough. Uh -huh. it are, you know, are very successful at it. They've done it a few times because, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you have no idea exactly. Like, you know something's going to be hard, but until you have the context of doing it, then you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, this is... So, but I got to do that. That was a huge, like, you know, accolade kind of something to be very proud of, you know, my 13th position. I'm very proud of. Out of how many system. though? I don't remember. I think it was like a hundred dudes started. It was that so. many. Yeah, exactly. it was that, it was that <laughs> many. So yeah. it is respectable. <laughs> so getting done with that, um, you know, that's when it was like, okay, hey, what's and I knew I wanted to stay in the military, but I knew I just couldn't stay where I was. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, and that was just something inside of me, not because the place sucked or, oh, mm -hmm. this sucked. It was like, no, man, it's all perfect. Uh, I just needed, I needed to do more. And uh, so then I went to selection. I was 25 whenever I went there. And, and just from hanging with you guys, you know, I, I have some understanding that that's a pretty big difference as far as like, Special Forces to 82nd. I mean, that yeah, jump, that's jump kind of a between. difference in cultures, right? As far as Absolutely. like what is entailed and kind of the makeup of the person, right? So Yeah, so the, and then, uh, yeah, because in the conventional army, you know, everything is just like it says, conventional. Mm -hmm. You know, everything is very structured, the rank structure, the levels of responsibility with each rank, all appropriately, you know, and, uh, but it was not a lot of, not a lot of freedom for, to maneuver, mm -hmm. you know, to grow, expand, that kind of deal. And to be 
uh, responsible because that was always the thing with me. I always wanted more responsibility. Again, it goes back to being tested. Mm -hmm. You know, it goes like, hey, do I have what it takes? And um, so whenever I did cross over there and went to special forces, just like you were saying, I mean, it is a cultural difference because, again, it's it's more senior folks. You know, I mean, it's more uh, intellectually driven. It's more uh, individual initiative driven, you know, so it's, it's a lot more responsibility. Gotcha. It being that different of a kind of a shift, uh-huh. um, was it the type of deal like where, I mean, you kind of talked about the types of things you're able to do before going, uh, to selection, like with it being kind of a different world, what was it like going from like, as you put it, golden boy to now kind of where nobody. you got like low guy on the yeah, top pole here nobody. at this point. You're a new guy. Gotcha. So <laughs> yeah. what was that like? <laughs> yeah. So that was the experience, like you said, coming from the top of the food chain, you know what I mean? In conventional army, like, whoa, this guy's awesome. Just look at his uniform, you know? And uh, then roll over to special forces where that's where the cultural change is different. It was like, hey, nobody really cares what you have on your uniform. Like, hey, how do you work? You know what I mean? A kind of deal. So... But and like you said, the restart, like, hey, you're back to being a new guy and stuff. So there was a little bit of a culture shock in there for me, but it was uh but I was super motivated about it. But the, one of the big things, big life lessons for me whenever I got special forces was I was still I mean, I wasn't really young like Scott was whenever he got there. I mean, I was twenty six years old whenever I showed up uh to a team there in, in seventh special forces group. And um I was arrogant, you know, I mean, I I was young and again, very successful and everything. And I was just like, you know, pretty physical stud dude. And, um, and whenever I got to my team, it was a bunch of older guys, you know I mean? The senior guys, I mean, they've been in SF for a long time. And again, me just being fortunate, you know, three of the guys on my team were uh, veterans of like the war in El Salvador, you know, in Honduras and stuff. So again, season you know, combat veterans ahead of me, but me being arrogant and everything, some of them were a little bit overweight, you know what I mean? Kind of, but again, I had no context, like, Hey, to be an SF for 10 years, the toll that it takes on your body and everything, you know, I was just, so I was a little bit arrogant and I was like, man, I'm not sure if this is where I want to be, you know what I mean? Everybody's not as motivated, just arrogant. (laughs) Then, uh, lucky for me, I had enough emotional maturity to stop myself, you know? And, uh, be like, hang on a second, man. Like, I just, I'm an 18 Charlie, you know, an explosive guy. It's like, just got here, you know, been there about a year or something. Because I was already thinking of like, well, what's the next thing? I don't really like it here. And it's like, man, I haven't even been here long enough. Shut up. You know, like, why don't you learn how to do your job? <laughs> you know, and uh, and so I did. And then those guys, thank God I never said it out loud. You know, the guys that I was judging about uh, maybe a little overweight or, you know, hey, you know, not very motivated, kind of time for them to move on or whatever, right? <laughs> is, uh, is then we went downrange, meaning like we went to Colombia, you know, or we went to Ecuador, wherever we would go. And I, then I saw these guys that I had judged as being less than appropriate, you know. Uh, I watched them just do wizardry, <laughs> you know what I mean, as far as their language abilities uh, to understanding cultures and to do what a true special forces soldier can do, which is, you know, train, equip, motivate, you know, host nation folks, 
you know, me, I'm just this white dude that barely speaks Spanish and can, you know, bench press a lot, you know <laughs> what I mean, and can shoot good. Well, that's of no value to an SF team in South America. So it was really, you know I mean, back to being the new guy of like, whoa. And so I, like, again, thank God for a little bit of emotional maturity, you know I mean? I was like, let me learn this job, you know, and I did that for the next six years. And, uh, and, and the big challenges for me, again, back to being challenged was, uh, was the job itself, you know what I mean? Going into all these different places in the, in the late nineties, you know, mid to late nineties and in Colombia and Honduras, Venezuela, all these other places and really learning my job, working in embassies, like doing, that was, again, I'm I'm a guy that gets bored pretty easily. (laughs) So I got to have a lot going on around me, uh, uh, significantly a lot. uh, uh, And, uh, so there it was just like, wow, you know, I have to learn this language. I have to learn this job. I had to have to learn this other culture. I have to learn all these different skill sets. So for six years, there wasn't a lot of schools left for me to go to. Um, when I was there, maybe went to a couple, but it was all just about the team time and learning how to do the job, you know, and by the time, you know, I mean, I, I left there, you know, it was, uh, I definitely had that down, you know, um, I did almost six years of team time there, and it was uh, it was really really good. Awesome. So, and I, you know, you reach that point again where it's like, kind of what's next? Yeah. Um, and and so, um, I guess I would frame it. What are your options at that point, as far as what's so, next? So in, in your case, yeah. It's a in my case, yourself. the options that I had were. Uh, I was getting ready to be, I was already a senior, starting first class, E7. Um, I was getting ready to be uh, an assistant team leader, you know what I mean? And then once I made my eight within a couple of years, and uh, I'd be a team sergeant. So I could, you know, ride that, that time out and, you know, become a team sergeant. That was one option. The other option was, because uh, I never wanted to be an instructor and I never wanted to be a drill sergeant. I never wanted to do anything other than be operational. So... That was never, I always avoided that at all costs, which some people hate me for it, but (laughs) I don't really care. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I'm just doing me. And um, so the thing is, is that, uh, so I could do that and be a team sergeant. I could go to a warrant officer to get more team time. Um, Those are pretty much the main options I was looking at. Or I could go to Delta Selection. And, And, you know what I mean? And that was always like, man, I, there's no way I can make it out there. You know what I mean? Just in myself, my own self-evaluation and everything, it's like, I don't think I can make it out there. But then something that I've always used, like we've talked about, you know, is uh, is like in my decision-making processes about my life, you know, I ask myself, it's like, hey, if I don't go give this, you know, Delta Selection a shot, will I regret it? You know, because I heard a lot of guys, you know, say like, ah, uh, you know, that were older guys in SF, like, man, man, I wish I'd have gave it a shot. Some of them, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's, but I was like, okay, but I knew that if I didn't give it a shot, I would regret it. And again, I was kind of an older guy in the military at that time. I had, it was 2001, so I had almost 11 years in the military, senior E7, well-established, you know what I mean? And the other aspect was like, yeah, go out and start as a new guy again, you know, out there. But but my driving factor of going to there was just like, hey, I, I knew that if I didn't try it, uh, I would I would regret that as a life decision, 
you know, so I didn't want that, <laughs> you know what I mean, don't want regrets in life when we don't have to have them, and uh, yeah, so I was like, well, that's definitely a challenge, <laughs> you know what I mean, it's, and, and, so, and you know, I mean, that's, that's the, as far as in the army goes, you know what I mean, that's the top of the food chain, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, that is, that is, it doesn't get any higher. Yeah, and I mean, so that's kind of, that's crazy that that many times you've had to kind of restart. Yeah. You know, kind of not necessarily kind of repurpose yourself or, or kind of your goal yeah. or what you're trying to get. I think it's cool because, I mean, a lot of us, it's almost easy to say like, yeah, I'm just going to go into it. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I mean, essentially that how you've talked about it before is that, is that like, yeah, I, I didn't totally think that I would even make it. I was no. just going to go see what happened. Yeah, I wouldn't have bet on me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, obviously I wanted to do it and believe there was a possibility that I could make mm-hmm. it, but I wouldn't have bet money on me. You know what I mean? As far as on that aspect. So that being said, you go through the process, you're selected. I mean, what's the what's the feeling of accomplishment at that point? Is it like is it, was, it more surprised that it didn't sink in or it's like No, it was it here? was uh <laughs> it was really again, it was really huge because I didn't know anything, you know, I mean about Delta, you know, and what it all meant, you know, and uh, so I didn't know anybody that was out there. I didn't, ha- you know, what I'm saying it was just like this huge, mysterious thing, you know, this place that Even I had for re- guys in the army, which to me is oh, surprising. Yeah. Well, man, and being <laughs> on Fort Bragg, I mean, I had ra- ran and road marched around that compound for 11 years <laughs> and had no idea what was going on in there, but I knew I really would like to know, find out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, to your point, is like, yeah, man, huge. It was pretty overwhelming, you know, uh, as far as like making that, you know, of getting selected, you know what I mean? And that's just get, that just gets your foot in the door, you know, and then you got six months of training on or about six months of training, uh, which was every day. So I, I, I really loved that bit of <laughs> like success, like, oh my God, I made it, you know, which was huge. Little did I know that like, hey man, I just got my toe in the door, right? you know what I mean? The real test was to come. You know, and that was, uh, you know, the six months of, you know, training and stuff where the axe is over your head, like, every day. <laughs> so I've always looked for a challenge, and, uh, yeah, I got it. And then, um, but then going through and making it with that, and actually, like, when you finally make it, you know, a training, and, hey, you're actually going to work, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, operationally, that's whenever it really sets in as far as, like, holy cow can't believe I made it you know what I mean like wow what an accomplishment kind of deal you know super proud like wow what to do and then you restart at the bottom again mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and so and that's the and again that's why that place was just exactly where I needed to be mm-hmm. because then from that every day forward it was about I mean you're working with the best of the best the best athletes the best shooters the best thinkers you know problem solvers you know, in the military, you know, and I would venture to say in the world. And, uh, and some days you're at the top of the pile and other days you're just trying to keep up Well, I was anyway, you know? And, um, so it was a consistent challenge, you know what I mean? Throughout my whole time, you know, being there. And so, I, I mean, just however, what, and not, cause I know this is going to be uncomfortable for you, but as far as like, <laughs> just trying to put into perspective, for everyone just as far as how high and kind of rare of a pinnacle that that 
achievement is as far as like how rare or even just how elite is that yeah the chances i mean just to put it into perspective you know for the audiences the chances of that dream happening and coming true and being there and working would be like little johnny you know playing high school football Mm -hmm. wanting to be in the nfl you know what I mean? Like, hey, I'm going to be, you know, out of all the hundreds of thousands of folks that have that opportunity, the chance of them actually pulling that dream off and being successful there, not like, not for a long piece, but right, you know what right, I mean? Right. But like actually having a successful career there, I mean, those numbers are huge. So, and and along the way, you know, what, what are some times that, I mean, were there at any point where you just like, was it ever in doubt that whatever you were working towards was going to come to fruition? Was there ever a doubt? Did you, I mean, what kind Always of adversity <laughs> like did you face even just even not necessarily like, you know, in, in aspiring for that next uh-huh. step? Yeah, man. The big things for me was that, uh, there was always doubt. Like I always, I wasn't the guy that had these, uh, positive self affirmations and those kind of, mm-hmm. <laughs> those kind of things. It was all just total, you know, it always, a lot of things come back to, you know, two different aspects that are free, you know what I mean? And that's attitude and work ethic, you know what I mean? It's like, Hey, your, your free will, you know, is what governs your attitude in any given situation, you know? And then like the whole thing, man, it's like, Hey, you might do a lot of things, but you won't outwork me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, and that's across every field, you know, um, professional, you know, those that make it at the professional level of anything, you know, is that, so for me, it was always big, just keeping my eye on the prize, you know, of like, Hey, identifying the dreams that I wanted to go through. I mean, the things, cause that's that whole deal of like dreams without goals are just dreams, you know, is like the tactics behind it. Yeah, man. You like, Hey, you have to put action, effort and attitude, you know what I mean? Towards that goal especially when it's one as big as that you know it's uh you know there's a lot that goes into it but i if i would have to say my number one struggle the whole time was self-doubt which is funny right because what the end result of all those schools of all of those accomplishments is someone that's externally people would look at and go like well that guy's got to have the most confidence in the whole world you know what i mean and it's like and I did on one hand, you know what I mean? That's what I displayed and that's what I was. I mean, I was confident a lot of the time, but I always had that kind of self-doubt. But I always learned, um, I, was, I don't know if I was taught it or just learned on my own. Is like, you, I use that self-doubt for fuel, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because if I, if I stay in that self-doubt too much, then I'll make it come true, you know, as far as like I'll fail. Mm-hmm. But if I take that self-doubt, and just use it as fuel to make me work even that much more, you know, then it's taking that negative aspect that I have going on me and turning it into a positive. Yeah. It's pretty cool to, to hear you kind of go through that. And like, I think it's commonly used, you know, that people would talk about that you yourself is your hardest critic. And I think that's true, true for a good number of people. I know for myself and it sounds like for you too, it's that way, but also that like, you could be your biggest doubter oh, and yeah. that like your driver is literally just to prove yourself 
or even that little voice in your head yeah. wrong. Like Absolutely. even to prove to yourself that you can do it. And that's yeah, pretty man. Cool. <laughs> and the other thing too, is as far as big lessons along the way, cause we hear it all the time in media and stuff. They're like, Hey, fail fast, mm-hmm. fail forward. Like oh, that kind of stuff. Like, Hey, I get what they're saying. Uh, but just the same thing in different words is that, uh, if you're going to fail fast, you better learn how to recover fast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because like failing forward, all that stuff, you know, that, that all that stuff briefs well, but really where the money is made, not literally, but you know, I mean, well, literally and figuratively is, uh, is how quick do I recover from the failure or from the perceived failure? You know, it's like, uh, cause I'll never forget, you know what I mean? At the end of, uh, all that training out at the unit is like, uh, I have a, you know, have a little talk to you there at the end and say, uh, hey, what was the number one thing you learned? And it was like, yeah, how to recover fast. <laughs> because <laughs> because out there, you know, it's like in most things in life, if you fail, you get time to think about it. Maybe you get time to do some retraining on it, you know, retooling, you know what I mean? Hey, get your shit together and then attack it again. Mm-hmm. No. You know what I mean? It's like within seconds, you know, ultimate failure. You're about to get fired. If you ever do that again, ready, we're going again. <laughs> like, so, I mean, like having to, cause people always say like, I mean, that's a learned skill set as far as like, Hey, let the past be in the past. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, don't worry about your last play, the last round fired, whatever it is, focus on what's in front of you. That's easy said, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And it's like, Hey, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? consciously you know what i mean how do i do it but to being able to recover quick and get right back into the fight whatever that is is like that is if there's something if there's a skill that i would recommend people to work on you know me and myself is that you know i mean it's like hey you know failure is part of it especially when you're going for it in life at being a dad at being a husband at being a professional whatever it is it's like uh hey failure is going to happen um what what happens whenever I fail, you know, and the answer has got to be recover quick. That's what I love most about just in my background from sports of just playing them. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I had plenty of time in sports where I would dwell on things that happened in the past and had to actually like quit sports because of that. But like I, I'm a firm believer that my life changed when I really dove into football and got, you know, the opportunity to play at the college level with people that undoubtedly i mean the majority of times were way more athletic right stronger faster whatever um and just you know i often think about like how would i view things if i didn't get the opportunity to actually get knocked on my ass literally <laughs> right, right and have the choice of like stay there or get back up you know what yeah. i mean and uh and and just because i you know myself think of attacking things in that way as well of like just not, not necessarily failing fast no one wants to fail right. but it's the it's the how you're getting back up and how you're putting that aside because there's something coming next yeah man um and that's yeah that, i'm in lockstep with you on that. yeah because life happens so fast mm-hmm. i mean just everyday life i mean tragedies occur to everyone at any given time you know what i mean all of those uh, not even just tragedies. I mean, that happens, but changes in life, you know I mean? All kinds of stuff. It's like, Hey, how can I, if I'm so fixed 
it's it's kind of uh, like a dichotomy or something. It's like when someone, hey, you got to be fixed, solid on the goal, especially when it's a big one, you know, to go after it. But what do you do when it gets shifted up? How do you how do you still keep your eyes on the prize, you know, I mean, and keep working for it after you've been knocked on your ass? Like you said, maybe literally or figuratively, mm-hmm. you know, how am I going to do that? So what was it that drove you, like, to get up well, it's and weird. keep going? It's weird that, um, you know, that you kind of gone through your ultimate driver of, of regret, and I think that was always mine. Um, when I um, always – you know, my career wanting to work in the NFL in front office. Right. And even when I was younger, um, trying to play college sports, it was just something that like, if I don't try it now and I know that the, the time on my window on that yeah. is, is shutting, then, you know, I, if I'm forced to live with the regret of not, of never knowing of yeah. if I would have been able to do that. Um, you know, that was absolutely my driver to just, just try it. Um, and then when it works out is just seeing it through to the only way that I know how to do things of finishing them or, you know, um, essentially not wanting to live with the regret of giving up on that. Oh yeah. Now, you know, cause I think a lot of the things that we talk about as far as giving up on things, it's, 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 I think while you still have the heart for it, while you're still, while you still have the desire for that. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked about it previously of like sacrifice as long as the love is there to do that, be there in that job with that person, then to me it's worth doing. Yeah. Now when that falls out, you know, I don't want to, you know, seem contradictory, but essentially, yeah, that was, um, just my driver of just wanting to do something that I loved and not ever calling it quits before, I fully realized that option or yeah. that job or anything. Yeah, yeah, man. And a lot of times we talk about as uh, a lot of times in life, uh, the big decisions, you know, are usually between bad and worse, mm-hmm. right? Because between good and bad, that's not really a decision. You know, I mean, I'm going to go for whatever the good choice is. You know, there's not really a decision-making process mm-hmm. in that. But when I have a decision that's between bad and worse, you know, now I need some reflective I need to reflect on that a minute. And just based off what you said, what I said is like the big things that I know that was helpful to us was that, you know, because everybody has the fear of failure, right? Everybody has, it's like, ah, you have a fear of failure. But what's worse, the fear of failure or, you know what I mean, that sting of regret? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And for those of us that have had regret in our lives, we know that hey, that sting of regret, you know, of life decision regret far outweighs (laughs) the fear of failure. It doesn't mean the fear of failure doesn't go away, you know what I mean? Because that's that's always kind of there. Anybody worth their salt doesn't want to fail, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) I mean, but it's like we balance it out with, it's like, hey, that's the lesser of the evils, Mm -hmm. man. You know, I'll embrace that fear of potentially failing versus at the end of my life, you know, of saying, like, man, I really regret not trying this or trying that. And what it, and what enabled me to not try it was that fear of failure. Yeah. You know? And to even round out kind of the conversation today, um, you know, kind of getting away from somewhat extreme examples of like sports and military, but 
for me, um, my like my priorities shifted to where the regret, the possible regret and fear of regret for me, kind of shifted when my priorities went more towards wanting to have a family, right? Wanting to have a house, wanting to have time <laughs> with you know. You know, and, and so whereas as much of what can be perceived of what we're talking about today is working the long nights or, you know, um, spending all the time doing this, like my, I know I was doing those things and my, my, my thing, my dream, my aspiration had shifted. Right. And so like for me, it seemed like the white picket fence scenario was what I wanted. So right. then I had now shifted all of my energy towards I don't want to look back and miss time of that. Right. Cause that's truly at this point what I want. Yeah. Um, as opposed to the things in career that I had before and what I was doing and, and just being true to myself in that, um, and trying to kind of bring it to those out there that maybe not have, um, you know, the experience and those examples that we used earlier, what are ways that you kind of take that mentality of, looking back not wanting to have said that I tried that how do you incorporate that into your today now being retired from yeah the so so after getting out in 2011 you know I'd spent my whole life with that kind of modus operandi you know what I mean of like that way of my culture of moving through life so and there's obviously huge shift like you mentioned the shift from playing ball and kind of very self-centered mm-hmm. not in a bad way but you know in a self-centered way to now your self got much bigger because you had right. other people in it you know and uh so it was a huge shift you know i mean almost a 180 it's the same with me of getting out you know it was like hey i'm out of the military now i'm private like so hey what are the priorities well i just took who i was in the military and all that principally you know and applied it into my life outside of the military again like hey what are my priorities? What is what are the things that I'm living for now? You know, which is, hey, I'm going to be the best husband and the best father that I can be. Okay, well, shooting a gun doesn't involve that. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, uh, you know what I mean? Having all this skill set, you know what I mean? So I found myself back to the new guy again. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying as far as newer guy, like, man, what schools can I go to? Again, that same thing, what kind of training you know, now that I have these new goals, you know, that is very family oriented and, and also a veteran, you know, helping oriented and like our nation and stuff. It's like, Hey, how do I take those same things? And and I do it the same way to your point of like, Hey, yeah, what are the goals? Like, Hey, what are the dreams? What are the goals that I'd like to accomplishment? I'd like to accomplish, you know, Hey, yeah, I want to be the man, you know what I mean? Provide for my family, you know, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, that's a laundry list of tasks, you know what I mean? And I fall short on a lot of them. So I, that means I need retraining and, you know, hey, get back into the fight. So that whole thing of, you know, that's principles that I've learned just to be able to do it, you know, as, uh, and again, identifying the regrets, identifying, hey, what do I not want to lose in my life? You know, and when I identify those things, then it drive then, then the way ahead is crystal clear for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because if I want to be a good dad, well, then I got to do what good dads do, you know, and, uh, and that's uh, my definition of a good right. dad, you know? So again, to me, it's always come back to identifying the goals and kind of the dreams and then doing all the work that it takes to fulfill that position and to be in that position. 
and uh, I'm not really good at learning new stuff, so I just like to take those same principles and apply them to my life today. <laughs> well, it's worked so far. So yeah, hey, so we're far doing so okay. good. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, you know, definitely just wrapping up here on the Original Freedom Podcast. Um, you know, good discussion today about um, kind of what it has taken, you know, a deeper look into Tom and what he's done and the drivers and the motivations and, and, and things that pushed him to go through that. And, and hopefully, um, you know, things that, you know, everyone can take back with them. If there's things that you're thinking about, you know, that it goes essentially down to what you had just said, as far as identifying what you truly want and what is, uh, you know, what is truly your priority and what you want to do and looking back and seeing, uh, if I'm not doing those things, am I comfortable with looking back and saying that I, I didn't yeah. try to. Yeah. Um, and, and essentially that's what it all has come down to from, again, my perspective, uh, my experience. I know, I mean, you just yeah. talked on that too. And that's essentially all we will talk about is what we personally have experienced. So, right. um, Look for all other original freedom content on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and on our website at ogfree.com. Thanks for your time today, and we will see you again soon. That's a wrap.